and welcome to the show that feels like it never went away. On today's show, we look forward with pounding hearts and salivating gobs to the playoffs. Matt Stanger and Caroline Barker are here. Feels like it's been so long. So, who knows more? These experts, and I'm doing quote fingers, or the bookie Joe Crilly? We'll find out today. We've got none of the usual things. No roundup, no fan leak, no anthemic music. We've just got bags of passion, lungs like buckets, and 110% for the gaffer. This does not flipping slip now. Welcome to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. Welcome back. Missed you. I know. Mm. It's been ages. And the anthemic music, which I, I struggle to say. I love the anthemic music. And uh, I'm enjoying this new format of shows as we close out the season, but I do miss it. We'll find a way to squeeze it back in. Matt Stanger, how excited are you about the playoffs? I'm incredibly excited about the playoffs. I think we've got some great matchups. Looking forward to getting stuck in. Well, let's do that right now. But... First of all, I'm going to say hi to Joe Crilly. Joe, it's been ages. Oh, it has, hasn't it? Yeah, you're here to guide us through the uh, all-important numbers and we'll find out, uh, you know, if these guys know what they're talking about or if it's best, as always, never back against a bookie. Let's have a look at the championship, first of all. First one up, Friday night, Derby against Fulham. Um, Caroline, we we tried our best to not use the momentum word uh, on yesterday's show. Derby, who have been kind of clownish in mm. their running right up until the last day. I don't want to cause offence or be disrespectful. I know, and, and, and can I just distance myself, given that I just agreed with you there, that I didn't mean to. <laughs> they but got, you're right. They got done by Sunderland, and they've suddenly sneaked back in. Meanwhile, Fulham, who hadn't lost a game in 2018, did lose a game, and a really important one, and there we are. Derby, the only ones of the playoff contenders, to win going into the playoffs too. Oh, so whether yeah. the mmm word works for them, mmm. Yeah. Fulham, I just don't know what's happened. They haven't been playing to their highest level of their ability over the past few games, whether it's tiredness, what is it, whether it's a change in... Sessignon's been, been moved about a bit, whether that's affected some things. I, I look at Fulham and for every reason in the world, I feel like they'll they'll get promoted. And then for every reason in the world... I feel like they won't. And I just think that the Derby will have too much for them. And, and it pains me because I, I wanted Fulham to go up. Matt, um, for those who haven't seen Fulham, and there may be a number of people tuning into the show for the first time, they'll be wondering why are Fulham media darlings? Is it just because they're in London and it's a nice part of the world to be? Um, why, why are we all enjoying Fulham so much? I think it is a little bit to do with that, I have to say. Cause I remember the outpouring of emotion when Fulham were relegated in 2014. It's a great day out down at the cottage, lovely walk along the river. But in terms of their football, uh, I'd say it's mainly down to their bravery on the ball. They do make mistakes at the back, but they always try and play it out. They're always passing, probing for gaps in defence. And uh, they play the full-backs high and wide. Sessignon, obviously, the, the darling this season with some wonderful performances. And now they've got presence in the centre with uh, Mitrovic as well. What has Mitrovic done uh, to change it? Because first half of the season, there's no shortage of pace and technique. But Mitrovic has tied it all together. How's he done that? He's a pivot in attack, isn't he? He drops a little bit deeper than uh, Kamara did. Kamara looks to play off the shoulder of the defender and uh, looks for balls in behind, whereas Mitrovic will come, play with the midfield, Johansson, Kearney, McDonald, drop balls back into them, and then, then they can send Ryan Fredericks and Sessignon down the wing, Matt Target overlapping on the left as well. 
and he really ties it all together and then he's a presence in the box as well I remember going to watch Fulham early in the season when they played Joe Crilly's Bolton as we call them <laughs> and uh, it was a really really tough afternoon and it required a, a late equaliser for, for Fulham to get a point in that match and I think it was because Bolton defended so deep and Fulham just had no presence in attack to really put them under any sort of pressure whereas Mitrovic plays a, a slightly more of a target man role and uh, he's been excellent for them 12 goals in his last 14 games my slight, slight concern is I think he was bullied out the game a bit at the weekend and I, I think maybe that might be an issue. I, I think he was definitely watching that game, but I also looked and saw uh, you know, he had the, the chance that Stockdale produced that amazing save from his header. So it's just if, if there's going to be anyone to make the difference when, when the margins are so tight like that, he could be that man. Yeah. OK, Derby then. They go into the last day of the season at home to Barnsley. They're fighting for their lives. Um, it is all set up for one of those ridiculous derby collapses, but they don't. They absolutely obliterate them, showing off all the reasons why we kind of considered them promotion favourites in the first place. But there is no avoiding the fact they've only won five of their last 17, and again, they got pumped by Sunderland. Yeah, but for Mitrovic, Reed Vidran, I think he will be the difference going into these these playoffs, just being revitalised. He's put an arm round him. He just seems like the, the sort of of player that, that you want at key pivotal moments and I, I think he will be the, the edge. I think the key thing for Derby watching their performance against Barnsley is that they look like they were enjoying it again. They look like they were yeah. having fun in that attack. Nugent, Jerome, Vidra all switching positions, all setting each other up for chances. Vidra obviously 21 goals this season, golden boot winner in the championship. Like Caroline says, he's been completely revitalised under Rowett. And Cameron Jerome, what signing he's proven to be coming in from Norwich and I mean, Norwich getting humped 5-1 by Sheffield Wednesday. Perhaps that was a mistake on their part. And any Premier League fans who haven't watched much of the Championship and they're tuning into this to get a, get an idea of the playoffs, they're going to see Derby's squad and they're going to see those names, see how much talent is in there. Um, I mean, Tom Huddleston's a fantastic player. Tom Lawrence is a really great player. Um, you've already mentioned the, the goals around the rest of the team. Why hasn't it been working out? Curtis Davis at the back, uh, Joe Ledley in midfield. Curtis Davis. <laughs> no, no, sorry, Curtis, but but it's, yeah, it's so much experience running through that side, which you can see Routes assembled that squad because he he's looking at a, a team of players that have been there and, and done it all before and believes that they can do it again. And yet they dropped from second to seventh at one stage with two wins in twelve matches. The form has been dreadful for the most part of 2018 I think a, a key thing has been perhaps a lack of pace at times although they do play pretty well on the counter-attack and they, they seem to revert more to that, that sort of approach against Barnsley uh, at the weekend um, I mean some of the games that just individual performances have been dreadful we, we watched the Burton game when they lost 3-1 there and it was three mistakes leading to Burton's three goals and I think Rowett had to challenge his squad and maybe sometimes with experience, you know, you've got fatigue in, in those legs at the end of a long season. And also maybe it's a little bit like, well, we've already played in the Premier League. Do we really have the hunger to get back in there yet again? Caroline, I mean, there, there certainly is the hunger uh, at Derby County. It's a massive, massive team. They're so desperate for promotion. If it does go wrong in the playoffs, will, will Gary Rout be all right? Because they do get through their managers. Uh, well, I've told you I already think that they'll go through over Fulham. There is the problem you've got in the championship is it's blooming brilliant, right? So all of those four teams that are in there, the squad depth within those teams, the quality of the manager that you've got of each of those teams, they all expect to go up. And clearly, they can't. So do you blame that on him? Do you take it on the... Have they got that final nous to get them over the line? I genuinely think they'll have enough. 
All right, quickly round the room then. Uh, Derby Fulham, who's going through Matt Stanger? I know you said quickly, but I just want to drop my stat in there. Oh, Before Sunday, <laughs> Fulham had been in a losing position for only 60 minutes out of the 1,800 they played in the Championship in 2018. So people are asking how they're going to respond. I have no idea how a side that was unbeaten <laughs> for 23 matches is going to respond to a defeat in the most devastating of circumstances when a victory against Birmingham would have sent them up because that draw between Cardiff and Reading... I think it's a close one to call. I do think Fulham will will get through to the playoff final. Caroline, do you concur? Uh, I've already said Derby, so I have to stick by that. I think the fact that they got that final playoff spot, that they have that M-word, I just think they'll have enough to to beat Fulham. But it does pain me because I would have loved Fulham to go up. All right, Joe Crilly from William Hill. Um, What what do you guys think? Uh, The odds suggest that it will be Fulham. Uh, They're two to five to go up. and In fact, they are the favourites to win the playoffs as well. Uh, Derby are 7-4 to four to qualify. All right, remember who voted for who. We'll come back to that next week. Uh, Saturday evening, early evening kickoff. Oh, it's, it's another incredible clash. Aston Villa against Middlesbrough. I mean, these are two teams that you just kind of... They're, they're in your head as Premier League teams, and one of them's going to crash out here. Uh, let's look at Aston Villa first. Um, First of all, the manager, Steve Bruce, has had an awful time of it. He's lost both his parents this year, um, but he's back. Um, you know, that sometimes you get that kind of wider football narrative. Everyone gets on side. Everyone wants the best for you. Um, there's a story developing here, isn't there, Caroline? Again, Villa having the second leg at home, I think, is what will tell in this one. I just think any time, if, you, if you've been up to Villa Park, that noise when they're behind you, and Steve Bruce too... I think that they'll have too much for Middlesbrough and I think it'll be Derby Villa in that final. You just think when it matters, Villa will stand up. And, and I'm about to argue against myself <laughs> because say. that's kind of what we yeah. said all season yeah. and then it hasn't happened. So is this the point? It doesn't happen again. So I'll back myself into a corner, but I still think Villa will have enough. Um, Matt, Villa, really, really odd season. They only won one of their first seven games. Uh, when they beat Birmingham on February the 11th, I think we were all starting to think that's second place for Villa. They've actually lost five league games since then. They've made really hard work of this. Why, why haven't they clicked? Why haven't they been up there with Wolves? Well, they hammered Wolves, didn't they, as well? And they were yeah. brilliant on that night. And then other games, they've been incredibly sloppy. I think... Goals from a centre-forward position has been a problem for them all season. Lewis Graben's really come into form the last few weeks and he's been key for them. And he was uh, actually rested at the weekend. He made eight changes against Millwall. I'd say that was a big part in why they lost that game. But uh, I think they will be relying heavily on Graben because Kodja has struggled so much with injury. Scott Hogan struggled with injury and form. And I think that's been one of the biggest things is having to rely on Albert Adoma, really, who's more of a wide forward uh, for goals this season. But like you say, Steve Bruce, uh, difficult start to the season and there was actually calls for him to go, wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, at certain points and he's turned them around. Would you say that they are, man for man, up and down the team, the best starting eleven in the division? I think there are better players. I think there's a really, really strong shout for that, especially when you look at that centre-back combination of Terry and Chester, who was uh, ever-present throughout the season, and Snodgrass. He's been absolutely superb since he came in on loan from, from West Ham as well. Jack Grealish's reinvention um, from sort of flighty winger to, uh, to mercurial attacking midfielder. He's ripped as well. Have you seen the strength on that guy? His upper body strength. He doesn't get bullied off the ball by anyone. Uh, yeah, Villa have been really impressive this season, physically and uh, with the football. Um, and yeah, I think that'll be a serious test. I, that got really homoerotic really quickly. Oh, and I very Always much does. enjoyed it. Um, there was a, a decent shout for them being a, a cup 
type side too. And I just think they seem to have measured it well. When you look at how they planned for this, as you say, resting a few of the players, they always thought in their heads they were going to play Middlesbrough. There was the moment thought it might be Derby and their plan went out the window. So they planned for Middlesbrough too. And I just think it's all setting up for Villa to go through. Well, let's have a look at Middlesbrough because they're not too shabby in the first 11 stakes either. There's talent all over the place. Certainly the most unpredictable game changer in uh, Adama Traore. They've got goals in Patrick Bamford, or at least the potential of goals. He hit nine and seven in the spring, but um, the goal he got the weekend was his first since March the 30th. I think the weird thing with Borough here, Matt, is that we all expected Pulis to take over and there'd be some clanking of machinery and maybe results wouldn't go their way in the first month. But by this stage of the season, they'd be in full stride. But they've only won seven of their last 12. Well, if you remember, we did that predictions episode back at the turn of the year, Ian. And, Let's uh, not remind anyone. Yeah, I, th- I think we asked producer Ben to burn the tapes, and then he said he left them on the bus. So yeah, we're still a bit worried about that. But uh, yeah, I, I said in that that uh, that episode that I thought Borough would go up under Tony Pulis because I think there's quality in that squad, and uh, Tony Pulis been there, done it before, and uh, brilliant manager, someone to come in halfway through a season and really galvanise the side as well and, and which he has done and like you say Patrick Bamford, he's managed to get goals out of him he's played him in all sorts of different positions as well it has to be said, he hasn't just been at centre forward and then Bamford stretched it off against Bristol City and that, that win against them, missed a couple of games and there were fears that that could have been the end of his season, comes back and gets a goal a Sombolonga, gets crucial goals against Derby and Millwall in his absence, they've got a bit of depth there and uh, they're starting to come together Although he's, he says himself that he didn't expect them to be in the playoffs and he said that, and he's talked a good game too by saying that Aston Villa have got the strongest squad, they've got the best team, the expectation is low on, on their levels. But I think that's pure Tony Pulis. If we're trademarking marking Harry Kiel, we're trademarking Tony Pulis and, and what he can he can do for that club. And I, I think mentally he'll have that team in the right frame of mind, but I still think Villa will go. OK, round the room again. One word answers. Uh, who's <laughs> going through to the final? Middlesbrough. Caroline. Villa. Oh, you split again. Joe. Uh, we're split as well. Um, five to six Villa, five to six Borough. Uh, but interestingly, Villa are a shade shorter in the promotion odds at 11 to four to Middlesbrough, three to one. All right. When we come back after the break, League One playoffs. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. League One then, uh, Thursday night, Chelton versus Shrewsbury. Um, They'll play again before we speak to you as well. The return fixture is Sunday evening. Um... They always say, back the team with the M word, Caroline. That is not Shrewsbury. Uh, It's just one win in seven for them now. And it really doesn't bode well that they were just beaten at home by MK Dons. Um, What's happening? They just run out of steam. Yeah, how much, given that I've spent the last half an hour building a lot of emphasis on on those final matches into the playoffs, I'm about to totally ignore it. Although I think in, in Charlton, you've got a team and a manager and a hunger who thought... Everything maybe was was going to drift away, and and what Lee Boy has done for that that team and in, in galvanising too. I've spoken uh, away from it to a couple of the players, and they say that 
they just feel organized and they feel like they've got that confidence now to to go on and do it so maybe they're bluffing with me but i <laughs> i i think that they've got that little bit of edge now that will take them through you think that uh shrewsbury matt um, Stefan Payne, I think it's sort of emblematic of uh, the club at the moment. He scored 10 in all competitions before Christmas. He only got four afterwards. The, it's sort of the, the, the tail off. Well, yeah, he's, he's preferred Carlton Morris in the last few months because of uh, Stefan Payne's form sliding. It's a bit like Nathaniel Mendes lying at Cardiff. Mm. Yeah. Started like House on Fire and then really struggled for, for a good period after that. I think, though, Shrewsbury... They will take this time now before the Charlton game and think, we absolutely deserve to be going up to the Championship this season. We've been phenomenal all year. And even though a strong side, like you say, lost against MK Dons at the weekend, I think they'll come back. And I think this is a brilliant game. I'm really looking forward to this tie, actually. Caroline, anyone who's watched League One this season, I think, uh, any neutral, of course, with all due respect to uh, Charlton and Scunthorpe and Rotherham fans, will be willing Shrewsbury on for this. They should be nowhere near the playoffs, let alone finishing third. Second favourites for relegation start of the season. Uh, Joe Critty can correct me, but I think that's right. The finish on 87 points, which would have been enough for automatic over the past couple of seasons. Uh, yes, you look at them and think they're the, they're the story, but unfortunately, I think there's there's just too much strength around them going into it. Rotherham, the form side going into it. I know that the, the other fixture, of course, I still just think Charlton will have too much for them. Charlton were, of course, beaten by Rochdale in a game that they kind of had to win, although... Granted, Gillingham were 4-1 up on Plymouth by the time Joe Thompson scored. Um, all was going reasonably well, and then Carl Robinson left because of all of the uncertainty. Lee Bowyer comes in, and it feels like a club with no direction at all. This is just like, put a fan's favourite in, and we'll, we'll figure it out in the summer. Um, but keeper Ben Amos has said, we've become much harder to beat, harder to score against. We have a lot more intensity on and off the ball. We went to Shrewsbury, who are renowned for dominating teams physically. We beat them at their own game. Uh, he, Lee Boyer, has definitely had a positive impact. Maybe just that little kick up the backside that we needed. <laughs> you wouldn't expect Lee Boyer to give anyone a kick up the backside. <laughs> yeah, I've watched Charlton's last two games, actually, because I, I went to uh, the Blackburn match when uh, it looked like Blackburn could have decided their promotion that day, but obviously they did it in the game before at Doncaster. Uh, and Charlton won 1-0, and Jesus, they were hard to beat because we pummeled them in that second half, and they really, really held strong. And then it was a completely changed side, really, against Rochdale. They made a lot of changes. I think they rested a few players. Uh, they knew it was a, a big swing of goals required by Plymouth to get in. I remember Plymouth, I think they pulled one goal back against Gillingham, and their social media account tweeted, only eight to go. <laughs> so, so that sort of summed up the, uh, the swing that was needed. But Charlton, I still think that they're a work in progress under Lee Boy. He's experimented a bit. He's tried a few diff- different systems. Um, Amos was looking to play out the back uh, at the weekend against Rochdale. I think you sort of need to do that a bit against Rochdale, really, because uh, you, you know they're a similar side and you want to, to match them. Um, but I still think Shrewsbury just look more of a settled, organised outfit throughout the course of the season. I think that, that will stand them well. All right, round the room. Who's going to Wembley, Matt? Shrewsbury. Caroline? I've said Charlton, so I'll be addicted to that. That is three from three. Um, split vote. Joe Crilly from uh, William Shrewsbury, Hill. Shrewsbury, slight favourites, four to five. Charlton, ten to eleven. All right, we'll see what we make of that. In the other game, Saturday lunchtime, Scunthorpe against Rotherham. Um, very strange season for Scunthorpe. They seem to be absolutely fine until a terrible run of form at the turn of the year uh, did for Graham Alexander in March. In came Nick Dawes, his second caretaker spell. He hasn't lost a game yet, Matt. I think this uh, is a candidate for 
worst decisions of the football league season is uh, Chris Lachetti jumping ship from Scunthorpe uh, where he's Graham Alexander's assistant and going to Bury didn't work out for him there no and then it sort of undid Graham Alexander as well because that's where it started to unravel really and like I say Nick Dawes has come in four wins and three draws from his seven games so far and they talk about Simon Grayson getting that job in the summer but it's difficult to look past Nick Dawes at the moment for, for the performances that Scunthorpe have, have had under him Nick Dawes Appreciation Society is sat right <laughs> over here. It's not just that. It's the, the two combined spells. 18 games, nine wins, eight draws, one defeat, 24 scored and only 10 conceded. And the 10 clean sheets too. But that's his caretaker. So what changes in his mindset if you give it him permanently? Just keep him as caretaker, right? Well, but at Blackburn, we had Tony Parks as caretaker maybe half a dozen times over the years. <laughs> we would say, can we have him as a permanent caretaker? He's excellent. <laughs> um, we talk about home advantage in these games and where it's most daunting to go. Um, Scunthorpe, however, have the fewest home wins of any team in the top ten. And only three teams, that big three of Wigan, Blackburn and Shrewsbury, have won more on the road. So that may be less than important this time. I think Scunthorpe have done well to get there and I think Rotherham have been pretty good all season. And as much as I like to argue with Joe Crilly, I think the bookies have got Rotherham doing it and I wouldn't argue against that. Well... It's been a very odd season for Rotherham as well. They were down in 13th in December. Um, of course, there was their relegation last season was pretty traumatic. They really, really went down. Uh, 13th in December, and then they went on a 14-game unbeaten run through the festive period and beyond. And this, in spite of losing all the goals of Kiefer Moore, Matt. Well, that's it. You look at their top scorers this season and Kiefer Moore's still way ahead yeah. on 13. <laughs> and then second is David Ball. But really, since Moore's departure, they've really shared the goals throughout the team. Yeah. David Ball's got nine. Joe Newell's got seven. A couple of players on six as well. And I think that's been key, really, to Paul Warren's success at Rotherham this year. But uh, Joe Newell has looked a decent player every time I've seen him sort of playing wide on the left or, or central midfield role. And he likes to get forward. Great shot on him. Uh, someone that can definitely hurt Scunthorpe. Uh, Caroline, when Paul Warren took over, I mean, Rotherham were properly nosediving. Um, he wasn't able to stop that, but he did at least restore a little bit of pride towards the end. Uh, it must be very difficult managing a team in those circumstances when, of course, when you've just come down, everyone expects you to go straight back up again. Yeah, of course, but then none of us, it's like in any relationship, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors. What, what are you suggesting? I'm saying nothing. Okay. Uh, it's just so I can go husky with my husky voice and appreciate it. <laughs> I, th- I, I think that, that they've genuinely got everyone behind them and I think that that, that will carry them through. I nearly used the M-word and I didn't because we used it too much. Um, and, and as I say, I, I, you have so often these moments in, in playoffs because they are cup football, because of, of what you, you go through. And, and Rotherham, for me, have just got that little bit of something else that will carry them through. OK, who's going to Wembley, Matt Stanger? I'm going for Carvery-powered Scunthorpe. Nice. Caroline Barker. Well, as I've done my working out already, Rotherham and uh, Charlton beat them. Four from four. I promise you we're not doing this deliberately. Joe Crilly, whose side of the book he's coming down on? Uh, Rotherham. Uh, Caroline was correct. We have them at (laughs) four to six uh, and Scunthorpe 11 to ten. All right, you can find those on William Hill. When we come back after the break, League Two. League 2 then, Saturday afternoon, Lincoln against Exeter. 
And oh my word, Lincoln came so close to leaving the back door open for Mansfield on Saturday. They're a goal down to Yeovil. They missed a penalty. And with 13 minutes left, Mansfield only needed to score. And they could have usurped them from the playoff places. But Lincoln got away with it. Just two wins in the last six. Matt, how much have they got left in the tank? Well, they're going to need everything that they've got left in the tank, aren't they, to, to get through to the, the final against an Exeter side that have been a little bit inconsistent this season but still have a, a lot of quality and uh, especially up front with Jaden Stockley pulling the goals for them. So I think uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge test for Lincoln but at the same time we look at them and we talk about cup teams, don't we, at this stage of the season and Lincoln have been a cup team for the last two years straight on in, in the FA Cup and then uh, in the checker trade this season beating Shrewsbury from the division above them in the final and I think that that experience will really, really uh, put them in good stead. That was an incredible achievement. I, uh, d- just in case anyone was unsure of our feelings towards that, Lincoln winning that cup was very, very good and deserved all the mentions it got. Um, Caroline, there is... Um, it's all right, we'll explain later. Um, there, there is a kind of feeling with, with their form tailing off Lincoln and with the things that they've done in the past that they've kind of limped into the playoffs. But you have to remind yourself, they've only just come up from non-league, haven't they? Yeah, and Danny Cowley knows that and accepts that. And all his comments after the game at the weekend that he was saying we need to play better we know we need to do better and Matt is absolutely right for once uh, that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is that cup pedigree that I just think Lincoln will have have too much and we've seen it time and time again uh, not to labour a point but that's what I do coming through the National League and going up and straight through I just think Lincoln will do it Now, I don't know if this is because they genuinely plan to stick around or because they want to ensure that the club gets a good compensation payment, but the Cowley brothers have signed new contracts. Uh, Don't look at me for inside information. However, the the, the sniff about Ipswich we all thought was right, given where the Cowleys live and, and how close they were. But if they can do it again, why would you leave? Why would you leave? Um, Lincoln have shown themselves to back them previously. They're backing them by giving them a contract again. They'll be in such a brilliant position either way. So the only way they're going to go is is move up. And is Ipswich that next step in progression? The the thing here is that Lincoln, they had 10,000 people there. There aren't many bigger clubs. I I think I've said this before. When uh, Southend had a vacancy, there were a few of the younger supporters um, uh, turning their nose up at Chris Powell impetuance of youth um, <laughs> and saying that we should be looking to the future and we should get the Cowley brothers it was like lads they're not going to come that's not that's not in club size that's not a huge step up for them um, do you think Matt that they'll actually just go well we're building something here Let's definitely it's probably that game the Checker Trade final when there's what 30,000 Lincoln fans at Wembley and I, I think you look at that and you think well they've already increase the, the attendances tenfold at, at the home matches this season. And if they can tap into that 30,000 that are there as well, then they really can build something there. And talking of building something over an extended period of time, we should turn our eye to Exeter. Um, it was seven wins from the first eight games for them, uh, but then the winter just went horribly wrong. Uh, they were beaten at home by Mansfield on February 17th, but they only lost three games after that, and they weren't actually that far away from Wickham in third by the end of it. So they're favourites here, aren't they, Caroline? Well, there's the contrasting contracts, isn't it, with with Tisdale and what happens with him next. If you look at the Cowleys for a plan, I look at Paul Tisdale for a plan too, and I feel like he has constructed what he wants from this this side, and that would be a proper old tussle. This is kind of the, the final that I thought would happen, and so it, it didn't work out in terms of the playoffs. And these two in the final would have been that 
that tussle and I just think Lincoln too much for Exeter this time round. Matt, Paul Tisdale, from everything that's being said, it doesn't seem like he's going to stick around. All is not right Exeter, mm. is it? I was uh, looking at the message boards and hearing things uh, on social media about the reaction when they lost 3-1 at Stevenage in uh, the game that sort of ended their automatic hopes when, when Wickham went up that weekend. And I mean, considering the season that they've had, the the form that the, um, that they've been able to build in the last few weeks to to stay up around the uh, the automatic promotion race, it's it's just amazing that the fans are still a, a section of the fans anyway are still looking for Tisdale to leave, and and they might get their wish because he's actually favourite for the MK Don's job at the moment in the in, in the listings for that, and it could be time for him to to, to partner somewhere. All right, one word answers then. Who's going to Wembley? Lincoln. <laughs> Who's going to Wembley? The Cowley brothers are taking ah, Lincoln there. Finally, finally, we have agreement. Which means we'll be wrong. So, Joe Crilly, what are the what do William Hill say? Uh, we also say Lincoln four to six, Exeter eleven to ten. Is this the first time? Do you think that the team in seventh have been favourites, both with the experts and the bookies, above the team that just missed out? Uh, probably not. I well, have no why, data. What were the Martin experts saying? <laughs> <laughs> Right, one more playoff. Coventry against Notts County. Um, congratulations to Coventry. First top six finish since 1970 in any division. Didn't they do it in style? Oh, wasn't it just? <laughs> um, it is, as we've noted on the show before, a very odd club and a very troubled state. But Caroline, Mark Robbins has done so well here, hasn't he? To see, although there were there were a few more there, it's just the way that it was. The cameras were shot at the weekend. That it looked like perhaps some of the stands weren't weren't as full as they should be. With Coventry, for all those reasons that you look at it and think all that he's had to work against should be the reason why they they go on and, and get promotion. But Notts County, I just want to see Nolan cry again. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> why? Um, his his emotion about not thinking that they'd be there uh, I, I think he will take that that club through to the the final I still think they'll lose uh, in the final but I just I just think Kevin Nolan's going to going to take him all the way okay uh, uh, Mark McNulty Matt he's the headline player here how good is he He's excellent, isn't he? Definitely too good for this level. Uh, came down from Sheffield United last summer and he's a proper centre-forward, uh, great finisher and, and someone that they can look to link play off as well. I think he's uh, set up quite a few strikes as well and they've got goals in midfield in, in Biamu and they have been pretty solid at the back throughout the season apart from that one blip against Yeovil when they inexplicably lost 6-2 at home on the day before Lee Burge, the country goalkeeper, was voted into the team of the year, <laughs> which uh, was, was a bit of a strange one. Yeah, it's a funny one because I don't think promotion will really make any difference in the grand scheme of things to how messed up Coventry are, but you, you really wouldn't begrudge it for those supporters, would you? No, I mean, that's probably not the best way to look at it for, for, for the Coventry <laughs> fans, but, but it's true, isn't it? It really is difficult to see uh, light at the end of the tunnel and uh, I don't think promotion is, is going to be that for Coventry. It's, it's still a long long road to get. What do you do? I mean, straight up, if, if they if they had a choice between back-to-back promotions back mm. to the Championship and a takeover, you, you pick the takeover every time, wouldn't you? You would think so, but I've sat in meetings with fans when a takeover has been offered and you can go back and start again. The fans can have ownership, run the club as they want. And then at the last minute, someone pipes up. Yeah, but if the takeover comes in and, and we get promotion and, and maybe it's with owners that we don't particularly like, well, that's good, right? 
And they're like, no, no, <laughs> take back control. So we all get carried away with the emotion of wanting promotion. Yeah. Ah, oh, nice. uh, someone do a hashtag out of that. But, but having control of your club and knowing where your club's going and having that ability to talk to the owners and feel like you're part of it. You can't buy that. Well, clearly you can. I tell you what. At this stage, Nuts County fans are going. <clears throat> we we had problems here as well, you know. Mm. And and by my goodness, they did. Um, but it didn't look so at the start of the season because I thought Kevin Nolan was going to drag him up automatically, Matt. It did look like that for for a decent couple of months, didn't it? Really, they was they started brilliantly along with Exeter. Uh, and then faded, and then there was that stat that I reeled out almost on a weekly basis about how they hadn't won back-to-back matches since September. Won three in a row uh, <laughs> recently, though, to, to to silence me. Although they were they're only three wins in the last nine for Notts County, and they've also lost to Grimsby, Chesterfield, and Barnet in the last few months. So it shows that they are vulnerable. There was obviously that horrendous FA Cup replay against Swansea as well, which I'm sure Kevin Nolan cried that night too. I'm looking at Coventry for this one. I think that they're, they're a strong side and they come into this in better form. Notts County do have um, two players whose names you'll know from the past and one player who I suspect you'll know in the future. Um, John Stead and Shola Amiobi up front and then George Grant on loan from uh, Nottingham Forest. Yeah, George Grant has been uh, main source of goals for him this season. John Stead had a spell where he couldn't stop scoring and then he did stop scoring <laughs> uh, and, and Sholo Amiobi what a presence he is in, in their attack and they, they, they have goals throughout the team uh, midfield as well as Andres chipped in with a few and they've been solid at the back I think they've got one of the, the strongest records in defence this season along with Coventry actually so this could be potentially quite a low scoring game maybe one one goal will settle it what huge names to have in League 2 yeah and I they'll they'll be the edge for them when you want them to turn up they'll turn up and great as well because they they played in the Premier League um, uh, and they have earned big money and big contracts, but and and they're clearly not matching that money now, but still wanting to get in amongst it. Uh, oh, I always think that's quite nice. And yeah. they're two very nice uh, men as well, uh, having interviewed both of them. So good luck to them. Round the room though, <laughs> one word answers. Matt Coventry, Caroline. Two words. Notts County. Oh, so five out of six um, completely split. Joe Crilly from William Hill, final words? Coventry slight favourites, 8 to 11, Notts County, even money. All right, that is your playoff preview. We will be all over absolutely everything. Um, Because of the odd scheduling, um, we will actually have a show out next Monday. So look out for it. It'll probably be with you Monday afternoon, um, and that will be after all of the playoff games, plus the second leg of Shrewsbury and Cholton. And we'll have special individual preview shows for every single final. So look out for them. All it remains for me to do is say thank you very much, Caroline Barker. Pleasure, treasure. (laughs) Thank you very much, Matt Stenger. Great to be here. Gave me trembles. Thank you very much, Joe Crilly. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks to producer Tayo and to Social Paul. And thanks to you, dear listener. We will see you next Monday. Still not working for me. The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddyneesmedia.com. listeners before you leave us a quick public service announcement our friends at gimlet media have released a new podcast called we came to win it's a documentary series about the hidden stories behind the world cup's most iconic moments and the first episode tells the tale of england's epic run at italia 90 
It features a couple of voices you'll know very well, like Ian McIntosh and Matt Scott, and amazing football writers like Pete Davis. Here they are describing the bad old days of the pre-Premier League football stadia. And if people needed to urinate, they'd go up to the back of the terraces, urinate against the back wall. So by about midway through the first half, you'd literally be standing in torrents of piss. <laughs> it was uh, vile. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> so never wear, never wear your best shoes to football back in the 80s because it wouldn't be good. You can find We Came to Win wherever you get your podcasts.